Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. In this episode, I talk with a great friend and mentor, Jeremiah Villarreal. Coach V is the head boys soccer coach at West Mesquite High School in Mesquite, Texas. He is a follower of Christ, husband, father, and a coach. He grew up in Mesquite and is a cancer survivor. He has been blessed enough to have players with heart and passion to play for him. In his three years, Coach V has led the Wranglers. They've earned two by-district championships and two district championships. Last season was cut short due to COVID. Coach V has also been awarded the District 13-5A Coach of the Year twice and Tasco Region 2 Coach of the Year as well. The West Mesquite Boys Varsity soccer team finished the 2020-2021 season 11-10-3 overall, 9-4-1 in district, and earned their fourth consecutive playoff appearance. Coach V and I talk about building a program, the book Legacy, and more. Enjoy today's episode and good luck to the Wranglers on the pitch. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by a very special friend of mine. Uh, I've had the pleasure to uh, work for him as an assistant coach and learned a whole lot from him. I'm joined by the head boys soccer coach at West Mesquite High School in Mesquite, Texas, Jeremiah Villarreal. Coach, good evening. How are you, sir? Man, I'm great. I'm blessed, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. No doubt, man. No doubt. So you guys have... I've now started your district season. You're finished with your pre-district schedule. How's the season going so far? Man, I guess uh, crazy year. I, I, we're, we're young. It's it's interesting. You know, we, we typically graduated seniors, but we graduated 16, and it's just another challenge for us. And they added to the legacy of what we're doing here, a couple of district championships with them. And who knows what could have happened last year, but um, – God didn't have it for us in the plans, but, you know, we just put our head to the ground and keep working. And I challenged them in preseason and the boys have stepped up and started district. And I'm really excited um, for these young guys. I've never had so many freshmen and sophomore um, playing, but it's fun, man. It's fun. You know, it's just the transition of things. And it's um, preseason was a little rough if I'm being real. And then um, district just started, well, and just like everybody dealing with these quarantines and these injuries and soft tissue injuries, but I'm very proud. I'm very proud of the start that we have, and we got 34, so who knows what will happen. No doubt, ma'am. That's awesome to hear. Uh, you know, I, West Mesquite and, and particularly West Mesquite soccer holds a special place in my heart, uh, you know, in, in my years of, of coaching, especially in the Dallas area and, you know, playing against – uh, coaching against West Mesquite and then having an opportunity to coach there. Uh, those are some of the best kids I've ever been around, uh, yeah. both from a 
competitive nature, but also just, uh, you know, from a personality standpoint, you know, the minute I got to West uh, and I said, oh, I'm doing soccer. The first thing everybody said was those are some of the best kids in the building and, and they lived up to that reputation. Yeah. So <clears throat> for you being a, uh, a Mesquite grad and now having the opportunity to coach, you know, a very prominent program like that, you know, what does it mean for you to continue that legacy, but also, you know, put your spin on it and, uh, and make it, you know, make it your own while still, you know, holding some of the things from the past. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. man. You know, I guess the first word for me, just being from around here and living from where some of these kids live, really a good part of my life is ownership. It's just an immediate feeling of ownership over, um, you know, I'm from here. This is mine now. And I almost, it's, it's weird, but almost an indebtedness to, to the, to the spot that you're in to just do the best that you have for those kids. And, um, perhaps it's because my high school coach ended up, you know, at, at West Mesquite and had to, about eight or nine great years. And then there was that lull when I came in and, and I was just like, man, I know that these kids are meant for more. I know they're capable of more. It's never that simple, but how can we, uh, how can we get them back to what they're capable of, but maybe they don't know what they're capable of. And so if I had to sum it up, just, man, I felt ownership immediately right away. Yeah. You know, you reference your high school head coach and, and, you know, we, we don't, we're not, we don't shy away from name dropping on here. So, you know, shout out to coach Alex figured um, and, and the amazing job that he did there. Uh, you know, when I got started as a, as a head soccer coach, I had never coached soccer before. I uh, mm -hmm. went to Crandall High School, and, and you know, the thing I remember about West is besides how good they were, you know, talent-wise, the discipline that he instilled, um, you know, his mannerisms on the sideline, his professionalism, uh, and the fact that he took the time to answer questions and, and be a resource to, to a young coach like myself, you know, I, and you have a deeper relationship with him. So, you know, what has he done for you as far as a mentorship and a learning uh, resource? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm so proud of him as well. You know, he's the assistant AD here and uh, in Mesquite ISD and, and just, uh, I guess now a great coworker, which is weird to say, even though he's still my boss, he's done a lot for me, you know, while we played, obviously at, it was weird. Our paths crossed. I played football for him in middle school and then he moved up to the high school. And, um, after Mesquite had that state win in 2001, I got to shout that out for, for football. And uh, yeah, it's, it's cool because, you know, I guess I was a lost youth in some ways. And I, um, had some adversity when I was 16, I was diagnosed with leukemia. And so I, you know, I was playing on varsity at that time. You know, I felt like I was, you know, my whole life was in front of me and, and then you had that diagnosis and he had just taken over the program though. And we had been discussing our plans and what we were going to do moving forward. And even in such, he rallied, um, I don't know if you, there's a picture here. I don't know if you can see, but he had rallied the, the players around me. Uh, we felt like a family, you know, he would come see me in the hospital. Um, the kids would come see me in the hospital. And I just were thinking, man, I want to have that kind of impact. I want to have that kind of ability to, to affect others around me. 
And so um, at a young age, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know if that was possible for me. You know, I, I can, I'm sure in the football world, there's one head coach, just like soccer, but you got 14 or 13 assistants, depending on the district. And so it was hard for me to see that way into being um, one of the five in the town that I wanted to be in. But I just knew um, what it meant to me, what he had done for me. And, uh, and, and yeah, I just wanted to have, I wanted to have that kind of purpose in my life. Um, if that makes sense. So. Absolutely. Which, so, you know, looking back on it now, can you say that's the spark that kind of lit, lit the flame to eventually become a coach? Man, it was, yeah, it was, it was a spark, you know, there was, you know, there was some, some other things, you know, I was like, do I want to be a nurse? Do I want to be a pastor? You know, I love soccer. It lit the spark. I always wanted to coach soccer, but I just, if I'm being honest, I didn't see that path to that job, you know, because growing up, um, no disrespect, and it was fine. Most soccer coaches were football coaches. And so I didn't know enough about football, but I knew I would do whatever it took. I knew I would do anything, you know, I would like, I would mop the floor if they asked me. So it was uh, it definitely a spark, but still kind of like, how do we get to this destination? If that makes sense, you know, but. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you and you're absolutely right. You know, I don't consider myself a soccer coach. I'm a football coach that coach soccer. Um, I, I enjoy soccer. I, I appreciate, I appreciate it more during my time than I ever did. Um, I think it's one of the toughest things to coach, um, especially from a, uh, a schematic standpoint, because you can't call timeouts. Uh, thankfully in high school, you can have unlimited substitutions. So yeah. if you need to talk yeah. to a kid across the field, you know, uh, or, or, you know, pitch since we need to be correct. No, you're talking, good, man. Talking hey, don't, about hey, football. You're good. You're good. But, and by uh, the way, you're a good coach, man. You're a good soccer <laughs> coach. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, I wasn't good enough to get West Mesquite back in the playoffs, but uh, <laughs> that wasn't for a lack of trying. So you had the magic touch, my friend. You had the magic touch. No, I'll tell you, I, I just, what a lot of it was, was that ownership, but also you had a lot of confidence in me because we still worked together. And I mean, working with you, even, even in my first year, I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for you um, putting my name in there and, and just giving me that opportunity. Cause that's all I really wanted. And, and even then still being a first year head coach, available to me. You were there for me. The kids here still even remember you and, and yeah, man. So, uh, after, dude, I'm telling you, you're, you're a good soccer coach. It's not all about X's and O's all the time. So no, uh, it, it's not, you know, and, and in all reality, and you know, this as well as anybody, uh, given you your reference to, to the picture that hangs next to you, it, it's, it's about relationships, you know, those visits when a kid is in the hospital, is they're invaluable. You remember them to this day. You know, I, yeah. we go visit uh, when a kid has a, you know, concussion or they get taken to the hospital or something. You know, I can remember even, even at the beginning of my career, kid got uh, put in an air cast for his armor's leg. I don't remember specifically, but you know, we're in, we're in the woodlands somewhere. I'm still in Houston and um, his family had, his family wasn't there, but he had to be taken, um, to, to the hospital. So I'm, I'm riding with the kid in the, in the uh, ambulance to the hospital. 
hanging out and then uh you know had to have my dad come pick me up because we drove the bus out there um, yeah so i didn't have a way home uh, but, but you, you know, didn't want him to be alone though no no, no. Yeah. and, and, and cool. I, I didn't leave until mom and dad showed up and so that you know those, those things matter um to a kid you know and, and yeah the relationships that you've uh forged with these kids and, and the way that you know you have brought that family atmosphere to to soccer is, is important as well for for the success of the program i mean uh i told my wife my first year we we were talking and at this point we didn't we didn't have our son yet so i had a lot of a lot more time but i was like you know babe i feel like i'm focusing so much more right now on culture than soccer and it just feels weird but it also feels right and um and it paid off like i wouldn't change a thing about that first year and and that that ability to build that bond between the players you know um often the team in my opinion with the better culture wins the team that's going to play for each other and and the team that that feels a common bond they're the ones that when time comes sure there will be mistakes um if they're disciplined, they'll know what to do in the moment. But there's something beyond that where, you know, when you step on the field and you look next to the person right beside you, you know you're not going to let them down, or at least you're going to do your best not to. And so I think you're right. You know, for me, it's, it's real big on family, and it's not rhetoric, and it's not it's not something that you just say or, or put on a shirt. It's It's got to be real or else it doesn't work. And I can tell the boys really – at the end of the day, they're, they're playing for each other. They're doing the best they can. And that's all you can ask of a team. Yeah. You know, speaking of, <clears throat> of family, you know, and, and your son, um, how do you, and, and when I ask this question, I always kind of air quote the word balance because, you know, there, there really isn't an actual balance. It, it's, it's just a, a, an arrangement of priorities is, is what I've, come to understand from a variety of far, far more intelligent people. So how do you arrange priorities so that you can be the best husband, the best father, the best coach and the best teacher? Because, you know, you, you take pride in, in all of it. You don't, you don't uh, mail it in. You don't just collect a paycheck. Um, So that takes a lot of planning and doing. So how do you believe that you do it so well? Well, well, as a, as a compliment, I'll take, uh, you know, for one, it just, it's different for everybody in the stage of life that you're in. You know, when, when I was, um, younger and not married yet, it was a lot easier because, um, it was a balance of having a father. It's, it's very different. You know, our, our son needs to be somewhere. It's, we need to make sure that he's taking care of the most important things. You know, we, we always say here you know, faith, family, football with the youth. And, and so it's, it's interesting because um, my wife, like you said, she's the real MVP of everything. You know, she loves Jude so much that um, it's never an issue. It's never an issue, but also she loves our kids so much that even when she's tired, she understands that as a family, we're all pouring into something. And it's just like what you want with, it's just exactly what you want with your team. You want to be on the same page, have a common goal. For example, like the thing with the graphics, like she wants, she wants to do that. It's, it's her time. It's her free time to help what we're doing. When you had the kids to the house pre COVID, 
she wants to make food. She wants to do those things because um, we have a common goal. So you're right. It's 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 a setting of priorities. Of course, scheduling and and um, being organized matters. But at the same time, it's an understanding of we're all in this together. Now, with that, I mean, the last thing that you you ever should do in these situations is, is take advantage of, of somebody else. And so it's always what can I do to reciprocate, not because I owe something, but because I'm grateful. And I think that's really important because it's so hard to coach, man. If the home life isn't good, it's so hard to pour into others. If, if you feel like you don't have your things in order, you know? And uh, yeah, I think, I think an organization of priorities and a common goal is, is necessary. Absolutely. I think, you know, we were talking <clears throat> before we actually started the recording and like you brought up about the graphics thing and, and how your wife loves that. And I think it's awesome that, you know, she gets to infuse her desire, right? She, she wants to get into graphic design or, or, yeah. or yeah. something of that nature. And so her ability to impart that as part of the program, you know, because the other thing we were talking about is what those graphics mean to not just the kids, but I think adults as well, you know, there, there's, there's something to be said because people realize there's a lot of tools out there and you could probably do it yourself, but when someone else takes the time and they do it, I think it carries a little bit more and it also gives, uh, it, it gives that sense of personalization, um, you know, so, so when you have, you know, the, your, your, your student athletes can see, you know, it's not just you giving in, pouring in, like you said, but it's your wife also. And, and then having them to the house, that that's, that's awesome. Um, I was able to have my uh, defensive tackles unit uh, to the house um, this, this season uh, was just four, four of them. So I was able to have them. I did, I did check with, with the parents of everybody and you know, yeah. make sure that's okay. And, you know, but having four high school boys in your house is, is tough. Uh, as big as, yeah. as big as two, as big as all of them are, it's particularly two of them, you know, yeah. th thankfully they didn't eat us out of house and home, but you know, cool, they, they cool. loved it. Um, you know, when they, Whenever one of them calls, uh, they always say, tell your wife hi, and you know they, they want to come back. So I think it's it's awesome that she's pouring into the program as well, um, yeah. you know, not just from a, a cheerleading standpoint, but getting into it from, a, you know, the cooking and, and the graphics. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it's just at the end of the day, that word again, ownership, like I could say, will you do it? Or I could tell a kid to do something. If I'm a part of it, then I won't forget it. And, and if. I have a say so in it, then it matters. And it's there's a difference from from just being being a part of something and having ownership in something. And and that's in everything. So I mean, it was, she wants to do it. She loves these boys. She knows all about them. And she, you know, she um she asks about them every year at the start of the year. She's like, okay, let's look at the picture. This is number whatever. What's his name? You know, tell me about him. And so um, it's on her heart too. And it's not just about winning and winning is fun and, and winning makes everything easier, makes your food taste better, right? Uh, makes you look better in the mirror, but it's also about just the kids have to know that you're for them and they have to know that they're more than just an athlete. I just, I know they can feel used, you know, they can feel used. They know if you just want to win, 
they know what it's about for you. And, and so for me, it's always important that like taken away from you in a moment, in a moment, it was taken away. The last time there was a kid at this school was March 14th last year on our senior night when we clinched district two, two games before the end of the season. That's the last time anybody was here and soccer was immediately taken away from you. And so what are you beyond that? You know, but we can't ask them that question if we don't care what they are being. And, and that's just the perspective that, that I've taken in my short, short um, three and a half years as a head coach at West, but something I feel strongly about. Oh, I love that, man. That's, and that's absolutely true. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm very thankful um, for you for is, is you giving me the book uh, legacy. The it's a, uh, it's more of a business style uh, book in, in relation to to how the New Zealand All Blacks operate and how you could operate your business. But, sure. you know, athletics is a business, right? And sometimes you have to remove emotion out of things and, and make necessary decisions for the betterment of the program. Yeah. You know, uh, and us as coaches, we have to make decisions for the betterment of our family because it's, it's, it's our livelihood. It's our business. But, you know, one of the things about that book is peeling behind the curtains of what I think everybody would consider a globally successful program, right? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the, sure. the all black brand is, is known throughout the world, uh, not just for their winning, but also just for that culture and, yeah. um, and the profoundness of it, you know, so, so I asked, I, you know, I asked you in the pre-interview questions, what, what are some things that you took from that book? Um, but, but I want to kind of narrow down and say, you know, what are your, what did you take from that book that you implemented as a first year head coach that you are glad you did and you are seeing the dividends pay off now? Yeah, man, that, that that was a great question. I think God dropped that book in my lap. You know, I was listening to the radio and Jeff Bannister is a cancer survivor, the former Rangers coach. It's like, you know what? If this is on his list, I'm gonna read it. And it just I was like, wow, wow. Like again, overall, since the professional era, I think they've won 84% of their games. And they're looked at many times as in a very physical sport, you know, the the most successful sports team in history, maybe that's by analytics, but yeah, some of the things right away, the first two that I thought about really go together. And if you ever see in our hashtags, STS or sweep the shed, um, we want to be gritty, right? We want to sweep the shed and I'll explain in a moment, but it really comes down to never being too big to do the small things, right? So we don't ever want to give up on the play. We always want to win the 50, 50 ball. We always want to win in the air. These are the things that are tough. These are the things that not everybody wants to do. Just like after a match, when you've lost, it's hard to clean up after yourself. It's hard for me as your coach to be accountable that you need to sweep the shed or, or locker room. You have to shed elsewhere, but in America, it's it's a locker room. It's not comfortable, man, but you have to do it. Like we got to take care of ourselves. We got to make sure that we're willing to do the small things. If we do the small things, and this is a rhetoric quote, but I mean, the big things will take care of themselves. And I really feel that. And so even today, like I said, the, the preseason was tough, but they're still sweeping the locker room before they leave. That gives me hope, right? I'm not telling them they're doing it. Still cleaning up after themselves. They're not playing well, but they're not just trying to leave. 
They're not trying to dismiss their accountability. And so for me, the first two things right away were, were that, like just never be too big to do the small things. Even as a coach, I have a guy here and, and uh, I'm blessed this year to have help, you know? And, and you were a great help to me when you were here, just the amount of help, because we have three teams and there's only two paid coaches and I can go on and on about that. But um, whatever it is, he'll do it. There's humility there. And, and that's, that's, to me, really key. And I think as a head coach, that's something I always notice. And, and I think that's something that if you're trying to grow in your career, you have to have humility. You can't be entitled. And so our captains are the ones that will sweep the locker room always, nobody else. But what you'll find is that the other kids pick up a broom as well. And that's cool. And then um, one thing that hit me as well is um, you should plant trees that you're not ever going to sit in the shade of. So it's tough, especially when I was a middle school coach, but I'm pouring into these kids and, and rarely it happens, but I've even had disagreements with some and, and it's uncomfortable, but I know they're going to come around. I know that accountability, they're going to be pillars in their community. And I hope that, that they're going to be big oak trees one day that cast a lot of shit. And I might not see it, but I got to believe what I'm doing is pouring into that. If not, then, then again, they see right through that, in my opinion, in my opinion. And uh, the last one, it, it reminds me of the business thing that you said. And again, this isn't a knock on. I love Mesquite. I think this is the same everywhere, but you're going to have limited resources or you'll have abundant resources. And so if you have abundant resources, you have to understand that the things that you do might not mean as much as if they're if they're not purposeful, if that makes sense. If you just keep giving kids stuff, shirts, things, and okay, cool, then that might build entitlement. There's certain things you can do that can that can have a bigger impact that costs you nothing. So like the last thing that hit me hard was ritualize to actualize. So for me, that's okay. And this is something really near and dear to me. I'm gonna share it with you because you've been with me and uh, I guess other people could use it, but man, I have to pass out a jersey, right, every year. And I can throw it to the kid and say, here you go, you're on varsity. And that's fine. And that might mean something. But if I ritualize, actualize, if I lay out those jerseys nice, if I let the seniors hand them out so they can see who's leaving this year, if I let somebody that's been through the program, a pillar in their community, come and talk to them, that jersey's not just a jersey now. Now it's armor. Now I'm ready to go. And I want to leave that jersey in a better place than where I got it. But again, it has to be real. Like the kids see through it. It has to be real. And so for us, it's a matter of this is a big deal when you get your varsity jersey. This is a big deal. We're not handing you a bag. You go, you hug your brother, you take your kit, and you understand that you laid on the line for them. And it doesn't cost me a penny, man. It doesn't cost me a penny, but it cost me time. And it cost me organization and things like that. Man, that has been huge for me, that ritualize to actualize. Because in soccer, the money's not flowing, man. So what can we do um, with the things that we have to make sure that they know how important they are, what they're a part of, and the expectation of them to know that they're, it's bigger than them? Yo, I, I remember the... <clears throat> You know, that first year when you took over and, and I was I was your assistant and you had the jersey presentation and, you know, it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. You had the you had the slideshow. Um, I think that was the year we had Fig talk to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I remember the, the kids that were on that team were some of the best kids I've ever been around from 
not just a talent standpoint, but personality wise. And and you're right. You know, we we both both of us butted heads with some of those kids from yeah. time to time. Um partially because they were very talented and so they they had a high expectation and belief in themselves. Uh but other times it was, you know, just typical teenage stuff, you know. Yeah. We we were once young and 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 inexperienced and believing the world revolved around us and we had all the answers and yeah. lo and behold here we are now and we've got way more knowledge and wisdom that we try to impart on these kids but I I I believe a couple of them teared up during the deal. Um, yeah, yeah, they because did. it was so impactful. Um, and then I remember going down to Kingsville and we had the seniors, uh, my first year come down and, uh, and hand out the helmets to the junior high. That's cool. And those kids loved it, man. And then we weren't on, we were unfortunately not able to do it. Uh, schedule wise, it didn't work out. Um, year two, you know, that's something that's always stuck in my mind is like that and sweeping the shed, um, you know, are, are things that, uh, you know, if, if I'm ever able to, to have my own program again, whether it's football or something else, you know, yeah. th those are, those are things that I would, you know, love to implement in some way or fashion. Obviously in football, it's a little different, um, sure. you know, because we, we, we keep the jerseys, unlike in soccer, where you you know you you entrust the the kid with with the entire uniform for the for the season. Um, you know we we with we, we hold the jerseys and and stuff, but there are other things that we could hand out that would still be, uh, you know, to that same kind of effect. And, and but it's important to have those older kids uh, and, and former members of the program come back and talk to the talk to the team and talk to them about what it was for them and what it means for them uh so that you you create you know that legacy um and i think that was the first thing you we talked about that that meeting was was legacy right and we talked yeah. especially with those seniors you know who had who had seen you know they were the last group that had made the playoffs and had seen you know that high level of success but they'd also been through uh what four four head coaches at that? I don't know point that they three? had, man. I really don't. I don't know that they had ever made it because I... no, you know what? No, they didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. If you were you were so they would have been seventh or eighth grade the last time that they made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, so so the and and you were technically their their third head coach in their career. Um, I think it was four had, and four years. They told me was it four and four years? Yeah, four and four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they had seen a lot of change and, and turnover. Um, you but know, you were and, still there, which helped. I mean, you were still there, which was huge for them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what, I, what I loved is stepping back and being able to watch someone else, you know, coach and learn from them was invaluable for me, not just from, from learning the game standpoint, but um, just seeing how someone else does things. And you know, like I said, you know, what I learned from you still carries to this day. And there's things that I would want to do because you do it. And I was like, it doesn't matter what sport you do it in. It, they, they're, they're the right things to do because I've seen the results from them. And I believe that those are the right things to do. You know, I think it's, it's awesome that 
captains are the last to clean up. That's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and that other kids want to pick up brooms because they see their leaders doing it. Um, that's important. Uh, <clears throat> so, but I think uh, the other deal is is you know I had I hadn't been able to verbalize it, but the plant trees knowing that you won't get a chance to sit in their shade is is such a big deal because you think about as we alluded to, you know, coaching is a business. We make decisions in the best interest of our families. And sometimes that means leaving sooner than you'd like, or, um, you know, switching to a different role, uh, because it, it's better for someone else. Um, you know, and to, to have, to be gone now for, you know, three, three years, and still have kids remember who you are is, is awesome. Um, you know, and, and still be able to pour into those kids, uh, from some standpoint is beneficial to not only, you know, your intrinsic motivation, but also them as as kids, because especially during this time, uh, over the last year, Right, so many kids have, have spiraled into into negative headspace, yeah. uh, and, and you know we never know if we're going to be that person that prevents them from from making a bad decision just because we took time out of our our day to acknowledge them in some form or fashion. No, absolutely, man. It's um, it's it's so easy, you know. We talk about it, and it sounds nice, and it's one of those things where it all makes sense, but Again, and, and you might be that one person for that kid, but when you're driving to work at 7 a.m. And, and you're setting up and it's cold or you just took an L and, and there's pressure, it's hard. It's hard. So, like, the thing is, these things that that we say and, and, and we read and we do, if, again, if it's not real, it's not going to transition. And so it's just one of those things where how do you make sure that those kids know that you're genuine? Because, like you said, you, you had a ride with that kid alone on the ambulance or you might be the only person texting that kid, you know, I, I, I won't say any names, but uh, not long ago, there was a kid I was concerned about and I just, I called home to compliment him and I found out even more than I knew that he was dealing with. And I'm annoyed because he's late to a couple of sessions and then I had no idea. And that's not that it's okay. It's not pity, it's empathy though. And I, I think, we would behoove ourselves as coaches to understand the amount of impact that we have, although it is tough because we're dealing with adolescents, their brain's not fully formed, they're disrespectful, the things they care about don't align with the things that we care about. But we have to understand and hope that one, we know we're not in this for the money. We know that, okay. Uh two, we know we're not in this because it's easy. We're in it because we love it. And if you love coaching and you love sports, that'll get you far but it's not going to keep you in this. If you really care about um, pouring into kids, that's why you stay because it's not an easy job. It's not a fun job sometimes. And, and, and I just want to really press that's on my heart. Like if it's not real, they know immediately, at least here at West Mesquite, they know. So for me, man, uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not convenient to, to pour into these kids. It's not convenient to, to ride a bus um, or ride an ambulance and, and stuff like that. But man, if your heart's in it, you're going to find that, that things will work themselves out because the kids will work harder for you. 
and you can get more out of a kid than you think you can, um, you'll find that they're, they're playing through a little bit of being hurt. They're playing through a little bit of being tired. They're playing through a little bit of adversity. And then you can squeak some stuff out that you had no idea. And the wind will come if, if you're real. And, and that's just what I found. And I hope that holds to be true. It's just year four over here and the preseason was tough, but it was tough on purpose. So, I mean, I'm excited guys. And I hope that, that that's something that can help y'all. Cause I mean, you know, when somebody's fake, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Well, they say kids kid can smell the BS a mile away yeah. and they're going to be the first ones to, uh, to let you know if you're real or fake. So, yeah. So we talked a lot about you as the, as the coach and, and whatnot, but you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out how good of a teacher you are um, because I've been able to, to catch glimpses of you in, in the lessons that you give. And like I said earlier, you know, you don't mail it in. You take pride in everything you do uh, and you teach, you know, arguably right now, in this current day and age, a very important subject matter, right? You're teaching government and in years past, you've taught us history. So obviously we, you know, we want to stay to the teaks and, and, and fulfill those necessary checkpoints and requirements, but how do you infuse what has gone on for the last, Oh, the last presidential term. And then this new one, how are you infusing that? creating um, critical thinkers, right? Because obviously if, if anybody spent a short amount of time with you, I think one of the things, two, two things that they would know right off the bat, right? You're a Christian and you work your tail off, right? Those, those things just, they, they exude off of you, but you don't have to speak those things verbally right you they're based on your actions and your mannerisms so right ideally as a teacher you want to be impartial but you want to create critical thinkers sure so how is it that you kind of take these same uh ideals that you implement into your soccer program into the classroom for sure um with us it was different because there are those those standards it wasn't straight to them but it was more about understanding why things occur and understanding human nature not like okay can you recall this um you know can you recall executive order nine you know 9066 or it was more why would we do that you know why would we do something so racist as to put just a bunch of japanese people in an internment camp and the the explaining would um allow them to to retain that knowledge right so if you're a part of it you understand it when you feel that emotion of dealing with um, how did this make me feel or or why are people doing that? You're going to remember it. Today, there's a lot of emotion already tied into government. The, the biggest issue we see is uh, how polarized it is or the partisanship. And it doesn't stop at home for the kids. They're being fed from the media. They're being fed from their parents. So how do I step in and put my pride to the side, my opinions to the side and empower them to function in a world where they're going to have unlimited access to information? unlimited, like Instagram, you know, uh, Snapchat, whatever they're into. Once they get older, they can listen to Fox, they can listen to CNN. And the thing is, we have to make them not satisfice always to where satisficing is where I receive information and I just believe it's true because it's more convenient 
and me looking into it. So we try to make them, you know, critically think. And that's by really, it goes back to just always challenging them. Well, why? Well, explain. You stop a kid in the hallway. Why are you doing this? I don't know. I had a coworker who told me yesterday that he, he told a kid, hey, man, what if I just told you that if you pull your mask up a little bit, that you can save a lot of people's lives? And the kid's rebuttal was, and this isn't all kids. This was this kid. I don't really care about anybody else. And that kid thought that answer out. I care about myself. And so um, how do we get these kids to want to take some kind of ownership of what's going on around them? Today, it's a little bit easier because normally government's comfortable. If you don't really have an opinion on it, it's probably functioning well in America. So little things by literally asking them a question like, okay, is what happened on Capitol Hill, is that a riot or a protest? You explain to me. Um, what's something that you feel strongly about? And then if it's gay marriage, immigration, if it's civil rights, where does that fall in political ideology? And then they start to think a little bit more. Okay, we're learning what's a conservative, what's a liberal, not a Republican and a Democrat. Where do you fall? Why do you feel about the government? Why do we even care, right? We take a walk outside, right? Tell me, name 10 things, who paid for that? Is that giant tower by Memorial? Is that federal funding? Is that local funding? Is that state funding? Little things just to, again, give them some sort of ownership. Man, that's my goal in, in education is just to make kids critically think because for the rest of their life, they're going to have unlimited information at their fingertips with the internet. Unlimited. So they need to know how to decipher what's real and what isn't, what's important and what isn't. So beyond the standards at this point and beyond anything, teaching them to critically think and not satisfy us all the time is what I'm trying to do. Am I succeeding? I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. And that's, that's absolutely right. And I think that that's regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, the problem is we, I believe we've devalued critical thinking uh, on both sides. Um, if you if you have this thought and it's out of line with the majority, you are you're cast out, you know. And, and all you're, yeah, yeah. And all you're doing is you're just you're just trying to process the information, you know. And, and rather than just take whatever influencer you want, whatever side you want, rather than just take it at face value, you decide. No, let me let me listen to this person's perspective. Let me listen to this person's perspective. The same thing you talked about, you know, not that long ago was when you made that phone call and you learned more about that kid than you had realized you had that empathy and you were like, okay, well, we're not excusing you for being late, but now I have a better understanding of what you're actually dealing with. Because in all reality, these kids deal with more at home than we than, than some of us ever had to, you know, and everybody comes from a variety of, of different walks of life. You know, you had your struggle through cancer. Um, you know, I was very blessed to have a two parent home and, and I didn't have to struggle. Um, my parents struggled through work uh, in terms of, you know, my dad in the restaurant working a lot of long hours, but we were provided for. Um, so that gives me a different perspective, but through coaching, I've learned, some of these kids, um, if it wasn't for what we do as a coach, um, one, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a job. 
but two, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have the motivation to get out of bed. Um, you know, it would be a very different thing. Um, you know, and hopefully you, you know, you are, you're planting those, those seeds, uh, you know, you may never have to work for, uh, a kid in your class, you know, they may not ever be a, a principal or an administrator uh, directly over you, but hopefully uh, because of skills that you've taught them when they are in charge of, of working with other people, they can process and critically think, and they can uh, be impartial or, and they can have empathy when necessary. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's nail on the head, man. It's, 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 it's important that we continue to go back to why we're doing this because, and I'm not immune to it. Sometimes you're like, how long can I do this for? How long can I do it this way with the world hands us? And how long can I stay in this? And, um, and for some people, the answer is different from others. You always have to do what's best for your family. Like I said, faith, family, football with an O or with a U, whatever it is for you. Um, man, it's just so important. You, you take care of what's first, but also, it, it's a calling. It's not a career. And that's not a cheesy thing to say. It's a real thing to say. Kids say these days about lots of things. Well, this is cringy or it's not, but, um, you know, kids, they, they deal with a lot. They deal with a lot. And sometimes it'll humble you real quick and it'll put your life in perspective because you have control over what you're doing. And many of them don't. And again, it's not from a place of pity. It's from a place of empathy. And sometimes I just tell them, Hey man, listen, I can't help you if I don't know. You're late. It is what it is. Take your discipline and you move on. There's the expectation. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, like there's a kid I, I would love to start Friday, but he knows what it is like. And, and he should have been there today and he wasn't. And so he's going to hurt all of us. But if, if we don't if we don't do what we're supposed to with our culture, then it's all fake. It's all fake. And uh, again, I, I, that's just what I'm trying to do and it's never convenient. No, I love it, man. It, it's absolutely right. Man, we've hammered some, some, some heavy topics. Uh, yeah. but, but the one thing about the podcast is, uh, we don't shy away from anything and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about whatever we want to talk about. And, um, you know, that, that's the beauty of this is, is my quest for knowledge and, and learning and, and just sharing it as a platform and a vehicle for someone else, you know, I hope that they gain value, um, you know, and, and I hope that if, if they want to reach out to you as far as, you know, being a, a better coach or more things that you're doing in your program for success, you know, that they do so. But, uh, you know, before we wind down, you know, I want to, I want to hit you with some, uh, some quick hit questions, a lot lighter and, and easier in, uh, in thought. Um, so yeah, we got deep, we got deep for a little bit. I'm ready, I'm ready, man. So there's some of these that I had already sent you. And then there's a couple that I, I didn't want to put on. That okay. I wanted to ask you spur of the moment. Sure. So we'll start easy. Um, uh, what makes soccer the beautiful game? It's unscripted, man. Uh, every goal means so much because so much work goes into the goals. I mean, they don't occur as much as other sports. So um, the thing I also love is even the impoverished can play, right? You need a ball. You got kids playing barefoot and it gives people hope. Hope is so important. And uh, that's what I love, man. There's no feeling. There's very few feelings. Let me say 
that are like when the ball hits the net. Even if I don't score, if I'm coaching, if I'm on that team, and and vice versa when it goes in. So man, it's and billions of people will tell you that billions. Yep. Favorite soccer team? Oh, Liverpool, hands down. I mean, obviously national team, U.S. and then my Spanish lineage, but club Liverpool for sure. Yeah. Uh, favorite soccer player? Right now, Sadio Mane. Play ever Pele from my era, Fernando Torres. There you go. Favorite soccer coaches? Klopp, love Klopp. He gets them. He gets them. Rich boys to to run their tail off, man, and I love it. Uh, and he adjusts, and yeah, he's having some struggles right now. But I also really respect Pep because he changes the game. He's so different, and he's always looking for new challenges. I I did it at Bayern, I did it at Barca. Can I do it in the EPL? And I, I like that not being content mentality and being uncomfortable. I think that's real cool. What is a stadium you have not visited but want to? Oh, Anfield. They. I think it was 68 or 69 in a row. They didn't take an L Anfield Liverpool. Um, the fans aren't there right now, but it'd be cool to, to be there and hear them sing like you'll never walk alone and, and just see the, the energy there. I was as a make a wish, my make a wish whenever I was I had cancer was to go to the World Cup in 2006. And I remember my my nurses were concerned because they're like, they didn't tell me this, but they told me later, we don't know that you're gonna make it that long. Like this is pretty serious leukemia. And so, um, thanks to God, I made it. And so I went to a quarterfinal of a World Cup in Berlin, Germany versus Argentina. I think there was 80,000 people there. Germany equalized the game in the 81st minute. I've never heard anything like that, dude. The noise in that, in that place was nuts. And so I think the closest I might be able to get is maybe Anfield to that, that feeling. Yeah. Love it, man. All right. So... There was a there was a previous guest on here, uh, and then myself. We both served as your assistants. Uh, so so me and, and Pat Mason, who yeah, is the Pat. who is the better soccer coach? Man, so the better soccer coach. That's a leading question because okay, results speak, right? I think he had a few more wins. I think he knew more about soccer. So I'd say you're the better soccer coach for sure. But what was funny was the varsity boys would always beg Pat to give a pregame speech and his, and his, his inspirationalness, I guess you will. So definitely you're the better soccer coach. I, I just think that, that Pat was, he had them pregame speeches ready to go, you know? I, I, I'll take it, man. I love Pat. Pat is one of the best people I've ever had a chance to meet. No doubt. Um, I wish I would have been able to work with him and who knows what the future holds. Maybe one day I'll be able to, but you know, Pat Pat Mason is 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 at least the kids throw out that whole real one. Pat Pat's a real one, man. He's he is man. He wherever is. he's at, he makes he makes a, a very positive impact on them. Yeah, I was All sad right. to see you go. Sad to see him go. You know, but but yeah, I see you are doing big things, and I think what you're doing is very cool. So thanks for having me. Man. I appreciate it, man. All right, last question. This is the one where you you can be as truthful as, as you want. Okay. Are you still able to play at a level where if you need to, you can shut down a hot shot kid? Or are you on the other side where it's very rare that you can uh, lace them up and, and still do the thing? I'm going to be very real right now. This year is the first year ever this season. <laughs> I blame COVID. 
This year is a first. I didn't have COVID, but I blame the pandemic. This year is the first year I'll say no. Last year, absolutely. I was always playing with the kids. This year, I get tired <laughs> making three runs. So no is the answer to that. The kids have I could start for me, but I can't shut down every kid. There you go, man. There you go. I love it, man. Well, coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you for uh for hanging out with me tonight. And uh, you know, I wish you guys all the success this season. Uh, and then in years to come, wherever your career goes, I'll I'll always be a fan and a follower. I know you're destined for great things, uh, just by the nature of your, your personality and your hard work. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that, uh, is, it's rare in people. Uh, I believe it's, it's not, it's not the same for everybody in terms of what they do and what they bring to a, to an organization. But, uh, you know, to learn from you is, is always been awesome to have our conversations about whatever's going on is, is, awesome and uh you know i appreciate that uh that you still want to have a, a a camaraderie with me and uh you know i look forward to the day where we can finally catch up and and have a have a beer face to face we're we're long overdue man absolutely dude and, hey no bs you know i can still talk some d-line if i have to you know if you ever, <laughs> if you ever need me back you know, I, I, it's a pleasure i know it's a football podcast thanks thanks for having me on and, uh, i wish you and your wife the best appreciate it. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Coach V and I. Make sure to give West Mesquite a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Check out what they're doing in the offseason and then into the fall. Also, reach out to Coach V if you want to talk more about soccer with him, the beautiful game. He's a great mind with it, and he's going to do continue to do great things. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world. Peace.